Let's open God's Word together to the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 6, if you would, and we return to our, our portion, our study on the armor of God, the whole armor of God, and we come to this magnificent piece of armor, this in fact, it's entitled, we're told, above all. We're told to take this shield of faith. And this is an encouraging, I hope to be an encouraging sermon today. Challenging as well, but encouraging. The Apostle Paul writes, of course, under the inspiration of God's Spirit, after he explains three pieces of armor, he says in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. Literally, on top of it all, covering it all, in addition to it all, above all, taking the shield of faith. I said it a moment ago to the children, but someone once said that the shield is the armor for your armor. It's that extra protection. And faith is the armor for your truth and sincerity. Faith is the armor for your righteousness. Faith is the armor for your, your preparation, your readiness with the gospel of peace. Faith is above all. It covers it all. That's why it is so crucial. This is not a piece of armor that you can take or leave. You must have faith. In fact, we're told, if you remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The armor of a soldier in those days was usually so well constructed that it could resist just about any weapon or attack that may come against it. But no warrior, no soldier or warrior ever imagined himself to be fully armed unless he had a shield. No warrior or soldier would ever dream of going to battle, although he had all the rest of the armor, he wouldn't dream of it unless he had a shield. And so this picture is painted for the Christian. If we do not have faith in God, then all the rest of our armor is not sufficient. No matter how good any other piece of, one piece of armor may be, no one piece of armor is sufficient for your protection unless it be covered with the shield of faith. I remind you again, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And equally, it is equally true that without faith, it is impossible to stand against the wiles of the devil. You will not stand against the attack of Satan if you don't have the shield of faith. Now look at the wording. Above all, watch this, taking the shield of faith. Now in the previous three pieces of armor, we are told having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But here it doesn't say having the shield of faith. It says taking the shield of faith. There's a difference. You can visualize a soldier who's strapped on his girdle. You can visualize a soldier who's put on his, his breastplate and it's covering him and it's strapped on. And you can visualize a soldier putting on his combat boots or his 
his military sandals, as it were, in those days. You can see all of that. But a shield is different. A shield must be taken up, must be picked up and held on to. And as easily, here's a little warning. Are you listening? As easily as you can pick up a shield, you can set it down just as easy. There have been many a believer who's been defeated because he put his shield down. There's been many a Christian who has been pierced through with a fiery dart of the wicked one because he laid down his shield of faith. And we're told to take it, pick it up. You can just about imagine uh, what he's thinking, what Paul is thinking. When you put on the belt of truth, you have it. It's on. And it takes a lot of effort to take it off. When you put on the breastplate, it's on. You've got it. Having the breastplate of righteousness. When you put on your shoes, they're on. They're not going to fall off unless you intentionally loosen them and take them off. But the shield of faith is something that must be constantly held on to rather than a piece of armor that is constantly holding on to you. It's different. It's different. The usefulness of the shield is in many ways dependent upon whether or not you hold on to it or not or let it go. Why do we use a shield? I mentioned to the children a moment ago, the shield that is read here, written here is only found. The word shield is only found one time in the New Testament. And it's the Greek word thureos, which is the word that was given not to the small round shield, uh, but for the large shield that's the size of looks like a door. That kind of a shield. The kind of a shield that you can hide behind. That's the kind of shield that Paul is referring to. That's the kind of faith you and I need. The kind of faith in God that we are resting and hiding behind him. Why do we take up the shield? The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Would you look this way? The shield is your protection against the constant onslaught of Satan. The shield of faith is your protection against the darts that are being fired one after the other by the enemy. The arrows that are being set free and loose one after the other. And if you dare lay down your shield for one second, if you dare lay aside your faith in God, for a second, you expose yourself to all the arrows and darts of Satan, and especially the fiery darts. Now, sometimes they tell me that the enemy used to tip his arrows, dip his arrows in poison, so that when he fired at you, even if he only grazed you, even if he only scratched the surface, poison would enter into your body and destroy you. But the word here for fiery literally means fire. So these arrows, although the enemy may use poison to shoot at you, but he also shoots you with fire, hoping not just to hurt you or to kill you, but he wishes to destroy you. And if he can lodge one fiery arrow in your heart or mind, he will not only burn you up, but he'll burn your whole family down. Anything next to you, anything close to you, if he can lodge one fiery dart 
in you, in your armor. He won't just burn you up, but that fire will spread from you to the soldiers next to you on the front lines. It'll spread from you to your husband or your wife. It'll spread from you to your children until your whole house is on fire simply because you put down your shield of faith. I want to remind you this morning that the enemy is not interested in simply destroying you, but he's interested in destroying everything and everyone around you. Satan is malicious and wicked. There is no letting up. There is no sympathy to be awarded him. He is altogether malicious and evil. He wishes to dismantle you. He wishes to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan's not playing games with you. He's not sympathetic of you. He doesn't shoot you in the arm and then think, well, oh, I feel a little bit bad. I'm going to take it easy. No, no, no. He wishes to destroy you. And if he can land, as I said a moment ago, just one of those flaming arrows in your mind or your heart, it will begin to burn and consume to the place where you've forgotten. You've forgotten all that you had in Christ. He wishes to destroy your family. He wishes to destroy our church. He can land one fiery dart in you. He won't just affect you, but everyone around you. He's come to kill, to steal, and destroy. But praise God, we have a shield. Praise God, as wicked and malicious and violent as he is, you and I have been given a shield that can quench all the fiery darts of Satan. Did you know that? This shield that we have been given is able to stop every single arrow. There's not one arrow or one dart from Satan that this shield of faith cannot quench. The question is not in the ability of the shield to quench the fiery darts. The question is whether or not you'll hold on to it. That's the question. I wonder today, have you got a firm grip on your faith? Let's talk for just a moment about it. What is this shield? What is faith? Faith, amazingly, faith is one of the only words in scripture that God directly defines for us. It's very interesting. Sometimes we have like a name and God will define it in the context of scripture, like uh, the nation of Israel crossing over and setting up stones and calling it Ebenezer. Because hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Sometimes God defines a name like that in scripture. But very rarely does he define a word. In, in the book of Hebrews, you know very well, Hebrews 11, we are, we are told the definition, God's definition for faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It has a two-part definition, faith does. Substance in evidence. Substance of things hoped for. Here's what Matthew Henry said, something like this. He said, uh, faith is a firm persuasion and expectation that God will do what he said he would do. That's what faith is. Firmly persuaded and expecting God to do 
what he said he would do. That's the substance. So much so, such a persuasion, a persuasion so strong that it gives your soul some kind of a possession. It gives it some present fruition of those things. You believe it so much, you have confidence in what God said so much, that it's like you've got substance in your heart. That's what faith is. Faith gives us substance in our soul by showing us the first fruits of his promises or a foretaste of his promises. We were talking just the other day uh, after camp with some of the workers giving praises. And one of the praises was how glorious it is. It was last night in the prayer meeting. How glorious it is to for one week for five days to live and work with God's people. For five days at camp, the only adults on the property living and working were those who've been born again and want to serve God and want to see children saved. That's the only adults on the property. Can you imagine 50 to 75 people living together for five days? Every conversation, every thought, every time is just talking about God. You know what that is? That's a foretaste of heaven. That's what the church should be. The church should be a foretaste of heaven. And because we get a little glimpse of that, there's a substance inside of us that says, yes, what God says is true because I've already tasted the first fruits of it. I've already had a little bit of a glimpse of it. And so then we literally experience, here's what Matthew Henry said, literally experience substantial reality in the objects of our faith. You literally experience God. He's a substance. We were in the open air yesterday and I was, a young man stopped when I was preaching and he said, I'll believe in God when I see him. I said, but sir, it'll be too late then. If you wait to believe in God until judgment day when you see him, it'll be too late. Now, I'll believe him when I see him. And I said, but sir, I have already seen him. Now, I was, I'm not claiming to see God with my eyes, but I've seen God with the eye of faith. And it might as, I might as well have seen him physically. It's left that, that much of an impact on my soul. There's that much of a substance in my heart because of what I've experienced of God that that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. I am expecting to see God and I'm expecting to see God because of what I've already experienced of God. The other part of it is this, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things that we haven't seen. Faith demonstrates to our mind's eye what the physical eye can't see. That's what faith does. Faith draws a picture. Faith explains in your inner man and the depths of your soul what your eye can never see. That's why people can look around and, and see that darkness is, looks to be prevailing but God is victorious because with the eye of faith, it's already been evidenced to us. We've seen the victories of God. Evidence. I wonder today, have you picked up this shield of faith? Now, here's another important point. Faith is always connected to God's word. Always. Otherwise, what what are we having faith in? How is our faith substantiated? That's why I get a little nervous when somebody says, I've got a word, 
And I, I used to respond by saying, I've got a word as well. Here it is. I've got a word. I've got a word. I, I hope you do. And I hope it's from this. Because if any word you have heard or received is not backed up with this, you're standing on dangerous ground. Because true faith, biblical faith, is always associated with the word of God. That's why in Hebrews it says, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How did Abel offer a better sacrifice than Cain? I'll tell you why. Because Abel obeyed the word of God. God required an animal sacrifice, not the fruits of your hands. In the very next one, it says, uh, by faith, Enoch was translated. He walked with God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, you can't please God unless you obey God. And it says in the very next one that by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared, he built an ark. Well, he couldn't have prepared an ark unless he had been warned of God. So every act of faith must be preceded by a word from God. And this is his word. You can't have faith just, well, sometimes we use the word flippantly today, don't we? Um, I've got faith in my doctor. He's a very good doctor. Well, I hope you have a good doctor. And But you know, the first time your doctor doesn't get it right, you no longer have faith in your doctor. Well, I've got faith in my motor. It's a good car. I'll tell you one thing. That's a good, it'll run forever. I've often said that and eaten my words. Have you said that before? That's a car. I've never had one problem with that car. Then the next day, there she is on the side of the road. I have faith in my automobile. But when your automobile breaks down, the subject of your faith has let you down. But the shield of faith is not that we have faith in faith, but we have faith in God who cannot let us down, who cannot leave us stranded on the side of a road, who cannot give us a wrong diagnosis or subscribe prescribe the wrong prescription. He's faithful. Faith is always connected to the word of God. We believe what he says. Now let, look at this here in closing. What do we use the shield of faith for? I love this. What is the shield of faith meant to be used for? I get people all the time who who, who, who want to move out. They say they use terminology like that. I want to move out. I'm going to move out in the spirit. And I'm going to have faith. And well, Hold on a moment. I understand we need to have more faith. And by faith, we need to take steps of faith. But faith is not the goal. God is the goal. God, if you begin to put your faith in faith itself, you get all sorts of crazy things. All sorts of wishy-washy things with no substance, no foundation. We're told here that we take the shield of faith wherewith we're able to quench in hand-to-hand combat. We're able to stop all the fiery darts. Now, they tell me that sometimes those shields in those days were made out of wood covered with rawhide. Sometimes dipped in water so that if a flaming arrow came, it would immediately be extinguished. I don't know if that's what he's referring to or not. But our shield of faith, faith in God, is the only thing that can put out all of the attacks of Satan. Now, in In a meeting like this, I am not foolish enough to think that everybody right now is listening and nobody is distracted. I'm not, I'm not that foolish. I understand that even in a meeting like this, Satan is actively at work. His, his devils are actively at work trying to snatch away the seed, trying to fire darts right now as you're listening to the preaching of the word, filling your mind with thoughts about dinner. Oh, our roast is going to be burnt. 
filling your mind about, about other things, work and camp and all. And I understand that Satan is firing darts right now as we are in this meeting. And the only thing that can protect you from that is the shield of faith. The shield of faith is able to quench. Now, I love this. Genesis 15 is one of the first mentions of the word shield. Everyone In Bible college, they teach you the law of first mention. If you've ever studied in some capacity in that way, you'll, you'll know that. I don't really care about all those fancy terminologies, but the law of first mention, meaning if you, if you go back to the first time something is mentioned in Scripture, it gives you a little bit more uh, clue and idea of the other times it may be mentioned. Maybe so. Genesis chapter 15, anyways, is a brilliant verse. Verse number one. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. Now, that's a pretty good place to start. I am thy shield. Think about that. If you think that your faith is your shield, you are mistaken. God is your shield. And the shield of faith is simply acknowledging God is protecting me. God is in front of me. Hold on a moment. If God be for me, then who can be against me? If God is standing in front of me, then Satan, fire all the arrows you want because God is my shield. I would rather have God as my shield than my faith, wouldn't you? Sometimes my faith is like a roller coaster. Some days I'm really confident. I feel like I could go out there and tackle all the forces of darkness and hell. And, and, and if I perish, I perish. Sometimes I'm really confident. Other times I think to myself, what on earth is wrong with me? I feel like God just take me now. Please kill me now before I make any, any more of a mess of things. I'm like a roller coaster. So if my confidence is in my faith, I'm in trouble. It's one thing we fail to forget. One thing we fail to remember, pardon me, is that faith is a gift from God. Do you know that? Before you go into battle, do you know what? Before you went into battle, these soldiers didn't go out and have to make their own shield. Well, maybe they did in some cases, but they were given a shield. You enlist into a military. You enlist into an army. You are given the armor. You don't go out and make it and forge it yourself. It's given to you. And faith is a gift from God. And if today you feel as if you are weak in faith, the best thing you can do is get on your knees and plead with the giver of faith. One of my favorite verses is Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, where Paul writes and says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God, of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know whose faith we're living by? We sang a moment ago, living by faith in Jesus alone. It's not your faith. His. His. His becomes yours. His faith becomes your faith, but not because you mustered it up inside of you. I'm always challenged when I read the scriptures when Jesus said, if you had faith as the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. The problem is we don't have faith. He does. He does. His faith becomes ours. 
And the sooner you recognize that, instead of trying to muster up your own faith, instead of trying to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and waking up in the morning and slapping yourself like some of these wrestlers do, and, and I'm going to psych myself up. No, 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 no. Bowing the knee humbly, saying, God, I cannot do this, but you can. I trust you. My confidence is in you. I love it. I'll read just a few verses. I cannot, I don't have the time to read them all, but the book of Psalms is absolutely covered and, and filled with verses that refer to God being our shield. Psalm chapter three, verse three, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. Psalm chapter five and verse number 12, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. That's a pretty, pretty vivid image of what a shield will do, cover us. Psalm chapter 28 and verse number seven, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Again, Psalm chapter 33 and verse number 20. We're told the same thing. Oh, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 59 verse 11. Psalm 84 verse 9. Psalm 84 verse 11. Psalm 119 verse 9, 10, 11. Pardon me, 115 verse 9, 10, 11. Psalm 119 verse 114. Psalm 144 verse 2. On and on. God is your shield. God is your protection. God is your refuge. God. Do you trust him? Now, let me give you this in closing. By faith. By faith, we, we are able to quench all the fiery darts. Not only that, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, by faith, we are able to stand. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 24, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. You ever woke up in the morning and thought, I can't even stand? You ever got up? Giles has been there this last couple of weeks, literally. You ever got up in the morning and thought, I can't do this? But if you get your eyes off of what you can't do and put your eyes on what who God is and what he can do, by faith you can stand. We're told the same thing in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 7. He says, for we walk by faith. So not only do we quench the fiery darts, of Satan, but we, by faith, but we stand by faith and we walk by faith. We make forward progress by faith. I know many Christians who are still sat today in the same place they were three years ago. Why? Because they took the shield of faith and set it in. It's only by faith in God that we actually walk, make progress as a Christian. By faith, one of my favorites, 1 John chapter 5, and verse number four, one John five, verse number four, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. By faith, we overcome. We overcome. By faith, Acts 15, verse nine, we purify our hearts. By faith, one Peter five, verse number nine, we resist the devil, resist steadfast in the faith. By faith, we have the victory. That's why Paul says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. So the next time, today, tomorrow, the next time Satan sends one of his fiery darts your way, pick up your shield. Pick it up. 
look to God. Say with David, the Lord is my shield. He is my buckler. To him I run and hide. You're not a coward to hide behind a shield. You're a clever warrior. You're not a coward to hide behind God. You recognize that's your only hope. The object of your faith is really the question. What are you trusting in? You're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in your progress, your goodness, your righteousness. Or are you trusting in him? Are you hiding? We sing that sometimes. Hiding in thee. Thou blessed rock of ages, I'm hiding in thee. That's the shield of faith. Bowing behind God. Kneeling behind God, our shield. And if you can find yourself positioned behind God, is there anything that can get through God to get to you? Is there? No way. No way. Let's pray together. We'll sing our final hymn. Father, we praise and thank thee that there is a shield. That you are our shield. That in the thickest of battles, in the fiercest trials of life, there is a safe stronghold that we can run into. There's a place of refuge. We thank thee that thou hast provided for us this shield. And I pray that we might rest and trust in thee. That we might hide in thee. We pray that our eyes may behold thee more clearly. That we may trust thee for more. That we might attempt great things for thee and expect great things from thee because our eyes are beholding thy greatness and thy power. Help us, Father. Forgive us for faithlessness and unbelief. Forgive us for the times that we have allowed the fiery darts of Satan to not just pierce us, but to spread from us to the ones that we love. Oh, God, please help us to take up the shield of faith, to rest confidently in thee. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.